You're listening to Love Talk Live with the relationship expert, Jamie Bronstein, only on L.A. Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Jamie Bronstein, and welcome to Love Talk Live. Today, I have with me the amazing Jeff Guckert. Hi. Thanks for having me, Jamie. I'm so excited you're here. I really am. Um, So... Today is going to be a little different than what we normally talk about, but yet still we will be talking about love and relationships in a a bit of a different way. So I met Jeff, we met at a mindfulness conference, and it's actually a kind of a funny story. I I was a rebel, but not on purpose, (laughs) although sometimes I am a rebel on purpose. So there was a section. Jeff works for the New Roads School, mm-hmm. which is that all the way? It's all the way through high school, and it starts. Yes, it's kindergarten through twelve. So he's an educator. He's that is his passion, his life. You are going to learn all about it, and you'll you'll feel it. He's quite extraordinary, and for whatever reason, because I think that you guys were very represented at this mindfulness conference, including students. Yes, and they were just, they blew me away, these students. Um, so I wanted to sit towards the front of the, of the conference, and I, I guess by accident I sat in his section. But it was amazing because we got to do some work together, and we got to know each other, and we just got to talking. And we went for coffee and just kind of had some conversations about how education is changing. I have an almost four-year-old, so I was definitely intrigued I'm like, I want to go to your school. I want to know how to go to your school. Um, And so we're just going to kind of jump into some really, I'd say, groundbreaking ways of looking at education. Um, But the reason why I thought that it was appropriate for this show is because it all goes back to love, the love of our children and the love and compassion that we have towards these kids, and we want them really to be as successful as possible in life, right? And that's why I appreciate you bringing me on this show because I, you know, I think it's sad that they say the Inuit have, I don't know, 20 to 40 different words for snow, uh, but somehow in the English language we have this one word love that encompasses uh, this incredibly broad range of relationships and emotions. And unfortunately, we don't talk enough about the love that has to happen at a school in order for kids to learn. Yeah, I mean, I pretty much was, like, a little emotional when we had our meeting because this is something that is, is new for me to hear, and I know it's just emerging in in the world now today, and, and it's just I'm so grateful that there are people like Jeff in this world that are going to be changing, you know, education and how we see it. And, and so, anyhow, before we get into – I took – Lots of notes from our our coffee meeting, and there are so he's has so many interesting things to say and to share. But before we get into really the content, I would love for you to share with our viewers how did you get into this work? Mm-hmm. How did you become so passionate? Do you have any mentors? Do you have um, tell us about you and and how you got here? Sure, um, it's a long story, but I will give you the Reader's Digest version. I was a student that luckily fit into the traditional box. Um, I loved finding out what the teacher wanted and giving the teacher what they wanted. And so I got good grades throughout. 
Um, and the next step was always finding the next teacher for me to please. Uh, and luckily, I was successful in the traditional sense. Um, and so I went to graduate school, and then I got a PhD, and suddenly I found that I was 30 years old, and there were no more teachers waiting for me. And I realized that I was 30 years old, and I had never been challenged to think about who I was and what I wanted to do with my life. Um, luckily, I think because of some of the wonderful relationships I had had with some of my teachers along the way, I thought, well, maybe I'll just teach until I figure out what I wanted to do. Uh, and immediately from the first time I stepped in a classroom with students uh, and felt that relationship, I knew that this is what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. uh, so I started at a more traditional school, um, and after 10 years, I realized on my own that the content that we were covering, the incredibly impossibly broad content that we were covering and racing these kids through was not the most important thing that we were doing. It was the relationships that these students were building with their teachers uh, and coming back and they would always talk about the relationships with their teachers, not about the AP test that they took. Um, so I ended up leaving there uh, for a number of different reasons and found this idea of progressive education. I started reading about John Dewey, one of the pioneers of progressive education. Um, and I ended up at Crossroads School, uh, a progressive school uh, also in Santa Monica. Uh, but after a few years there, I realized that there was even more that we could be doing. Um, and that what we really need to do in order to change education is to fundamentally change the paradigm. and not start with a sacred curriculum uh, and then pour things on top of it, but start with the relationships and start with that love that you're talking about. And only by doing that can we create the environments that are going to allow our kids to learn and fulfill their full human potential. Um, Paul Cummins, uh, who started Crossroads School and started New Road School, certainly is one of my mentors and recognized this many years ago. Um, so I left and I actually started a school on my own. Unfortunately, we didn't have the sustainable funding. So I didn't know if I would be able to find another school that I would feel comfortable going back into. Luckily, I found New Roads who, from the founding, they hold these same ideas dear and it's at the heart of everything New Roads does. Wow. And I mean, I'm just, I, I'm sitting here with you, and, I, and once again, I just feel that, that passion. And when we had coffee, I was thinking, wow, you know, this is just, it's so, it's so important what you are doing. And I just, I pray that what you're doing will be able to expand and inspire lots of schools around the world. Because, um, you said things like, and you just said this, how just that pressure, the pressure of, oh, I have to get into Harvard, I have to do this, it actually takes away from us as human beings being able to know who we are, and then sometimes that those students end up not being as successful as they could be because they don't have that, like, that essential confidence of really knowing themselves. 
So I, I mean, there's an analogy that I've I've kind of used to because I, and I think we have to reach out to parents too, not just schools, because I think the power lies with the parents to, in some way, choose the schools and demand these changes in the schools. But I think what has happened with education is that, you know, it it's all about the stories we tell each other, and about sixth grade, all too often we make this. Faustian bargain, and we say, okay, colleges. Well, let me back up. If we look at, uh, we start in sixth grade, and we imagine that the, the students are on one side of a forest, and on the other edge of the forest, we tell the kids that there's a pot of gold. And if you get your hands on this, some of this gold in the pot, you will be successful and happy for the rest of your life. And we all know what the pot of gold is. It's college admissions to these 25 or 50 schools. Uh, and unfortunately, everybody knows that there's not enough gold for everybody. And so then we tell the students, here is the most direct path to get there. Ready, go. And it becomes this competition. It becomes, uh, uh, um, it, it's bad for the students. It's not only not good, it's bad for the students. Detrimental. It's detrimental, thank you. Um, so it's competitive and it's a race and when the kids get to the other side some kids get their hands on the gold and lo and behold it's not magical and it doesn't guarantee happiness or success Um, some kids don't get there there in time and they feel like they've been failures Um, and so we need to rewrite that story and instead of that story I want to have families and students realize that we're going to go into this forest and it's the forest that is the important thing and we're going to explore the forest and we're going to ford streams and turn over rocks and climb trees and we're going to take risks knowing that we've got these relationships and support one another to make it safe risks and then we get to the other side and everybody may emerge at different places but everybody will be ready to make the most of their own lives and fulfill their own human potential it's not a race and it's not a competition. I'm sitting here just getting emotional, just kind of going through my experience as a student and feeling like out of all the teachers I ever had, maybe, I don't know, 25% of them I felt actually cared and actually wanted to do their job and actually are, are, are doing what you're talking about. But other teachers, they're just – they. But not because they, they couldn't help it. They just wanted to do the curriculum. We have to do this. But there were some teachers that you felt that they really were passionate about connecting and forming relationships with the students and instilling empathy and compassion, mm-hmm. which actually brings me to one of the first things I know <laughs> you wanted to talk about, which is that empathy in schools starts with adults having sympathy for our students. And then you say that genuine lasting learning hap- happens when students feel seen, understood, and loved. And that, I mean, totally, absolutely goes into the work that I do with my clients that are talking about romantic relationships. I always say that my goal is for my clients to feel seen, understood, and loved so mm-hmm. so this actually does it, it all it all comes together so tell me about how you help your students feel seen understood and loved so 
it starts with empathy. And in order to tap into that, we have to understand that school isn't about teaching. It's about learning. And in order to do that, then the teacher has to be able to put themselves in the shoes of the student and see the world through the eyes of the student so that the student can see the world and make sense of the world for themselves. Mm. Uh, and unfortunately, I, you know, I think most teachers that I've ever interacted with in my life want to do this. Some are better at it than others, given the parameters and the structures that can find all of our teachers. Um, but it is that those relationships, it, oftentimes I think people mistake uh, the the empathy and the and the touchy feelingness of what go, what should go on in the classroom with not learning, with all we're going to hold hands and sing kumbaya and <laughs> everybody be happy but nobody will learn anything. When in fact, I think genuine learning only happens if you do that first. Because if a child is sitting in your classroom and they don't feel safe and they don't feel heard, then they're not going to be able to physiologically mm. learn. Um, and if it's not relevant to them, they're not going to learn the material, no matter how fast and how much you cover. So you've got to start with that relationship. A student has to feel like the, the material is relevant and that you understand how they are receiving that material. And also, just what's coming to me is that perhaps a lot of these students don't feel seen, heard, understood, and loved at home. And so, for whatever reason, it happens. And so, this makes your job and all the teachers just so much more important when they really tap into the importance of, mm -hmm. of doing that. And I love that you're just bringing this to the forefront, you know? Well, and even though uh, we don't hear this very often, I have heard it um, both at Leonardo School and I've already heard it at New Road School where kids actually look forward to going to school. I love it. And, and by the way, Leonardo School is the school, because you didn't mention yes. the name, is the yes. school that he started. Yes, yes. Uh, and so it, you know, it is possible for it to be a real learning environment that kids actually enjoy and want that. to be a part of. Um, and in fact, not only are they not mutually exclusive, I would argue that, again, that's the only time that the real learning happens is when they actually want to be there because ultimately, no matter what the teacher does, it's up to the student to learn at whatever age that they are. Yeah, I mean, they could be the smartest kid in the world, but if they're not feeling good about themselves for whatever reason mm -hmm. and they don't have the tools to learn confidence and to learn how to love themselves and to feel good about themselves, then they're probably, in a lot of kids, they think, what's the point? Or I just don't care, right? I don't care. Mm -hmm. That's very mm -hmm. common, right? Yes. What's the point? Because it's going to be on the test. <laughs> and that's not good enough for students. And it shouldn't be good enough for us. So like, what would you say in a situation, let's say it's a new kid at school, and the kid does not is not aware of this culture yet, mm -hmm. and they come in because they come from a different school, and they and they say, "I don't care, whatever, doesn't really matter anyway." Like, how do what do you say in the moment? Because this is therapeutic, you know. Even though mm -hmm. you're a teacher, it's therapeutic. Mm -hmm. Well, and it, it takes time. I think a student recognizes right away, just as any of us do. Um, we know 
if we are actually being listened to from the get-go. Um, but it takes time to build that trust between the adults mm-hmm. and the students and the students and the students. Because once you build this community, you know, the relationships that are important are between students and students, between adults and adults, and between the adults and the students, and between the school and the families. And so that takes time. Um, but I can see it uh, almost immediately. And I've actually seen it uh, where perhaps a, a student has been in trouble, has made some bad choices, has been in the office with the parents, with adults, talking about it, and they come in defensively. Mm-hmm. And I think this relates to coming into uh, the, the community new, too. But even if they've already been there, Uh, and they are in trouble. Um, And when you approach the situation with love and mutual respect and forgiveness, you can actually see the physical (sighs) release. Like I'm not being judged. I'm not being judged. I'm not being thrown out. This isn't punitive. I've made mistakes. I can now own it, and I've got support here to move forward. And my behavior is bad, but I'm not bad. Exactly. I teach it to exactly. my son. <laughs> yes. And once, you know, once that happens once or twice, even if it doesn't happen to you as a student, you know that that's the kind of community that you live in. Yeah. So you can, you're not, you can make mistakes and know, just like everybody, every human does, and know that you're still going to be loved. That's right. And supported. That's right. And still, there's accountability. There's responsibility. It's very important for us in our schools to, uh, to hold kids accountable and teach them responsibility to themselves and their communities. Um, but that doesn't mean that you get demerits until a certain point and then you're kicked out because you're, and you're irredeemable. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love, it. I love that your school sees, just making me think of... Um, Criminals, mm-hmm. <laughs> totally separate topic. But, but um, I was having a conversation with somebody today about how I believe that everybody has, everybody's a good person. We all have a loving essence. We come into this world as good, loving people, and it's just life happens, whether it's environmental at home or it's socially or whatever happens. And so, I love that you are, that you have that culture, just like with criminals when they have the when they're lucky enough to do work in mm-hmm. jail, you know, with, I know some companies that go in and do this work with them, where you're saying, once again, you're not a bad person, mm-hmm. you are human, and this isn't a life sentence, mm-hmm. and that we love you no matter what. That's right. That message right there, <laughs> I believe every parent should say to their children and especially these I mean I've never even heard of this with teachers that have that culture of we love you not that the teacher was like I love you but that a teacher that it's the feeling that I am loved and supported no matter what I made a mistake but it's not the end of the world and in the best case scenarios there is an overt expression I've been in the room where an administrator has told a kid look we love you and this is what has to happen. That's amazing. That is amazing. Like, and, this is unheard of. And that's when, a, that's when a student understands that, okay, I can move forward from this. Oh, my God. Like, imagine if everybody in this world went to a school like this. You would be set up for life. 
with just, I mean, because that it everything goes back to feeling loved. And the more that I think also, because I also believe that love comes from within, but children, I think it's a little harder. I think it, that lesson is easier to be learned and incorporated into your life as you get older. So with children, to feel I am loved no matter what is, and they don't have to go through the shame because shame is something that a lot of humans go through in their life and then they mm-hmm. carry it with them. So you're just setting children up to to really live life in the most confident but like authentic confident mm-hmm. way. And the other part of that is once you see the child for who they are, then you can start to build a program that isn't so narrowly defined. Um, and try, you know, if, if a child doesn't fit in to this narrow pathway to that limited pot of gold, too often what we try to do is we try to support the child to get them to go through this pathway. When most of the time, perhaps in order for them to fill, fulfill their human potential, they should be taking a different path. Yeah. And they shouldn't be racing with all these other people. They might be tree climbers. Um, you know, I, I love uh, uh, Albert Einstein's quote about we're all geniuses, but if you judge a fish on how well it climbs a tree, you'd think it was stupid. Uh, and, you know, that. we can't get everybody to climb the tree. Some people were meant to swim in the stream. And we've got to honor that and, and let people follow their own paths. So how, how do you do that? I'm just thinking in the school I went to for high school, it was thousands of students. And I think the teachers probably, they might, the ones that had empathy, might have noticed that this child, you know, I would love to help this child, but I don't have time. You know, so how, how do you operate in your school where, how does that work? And how do you have mm-hmm. time to do that? Well, this is a... Big question. And I think that in many ways we are still on on the cusp of the revolution. I think the revolution is just getting started. So I think in order to do that, we really do have to not just tinker at the edges, but really plant a new plant, plant a new tree. Um, because too much of our system is set up in order to funnel kids through this one stream. And so there are, there are ways uh, to uh, change the existing program uh, by giving kids more choices uh, in, their, in their class selection as they, as they get older. Um, but also within the existing paradigm, at least recognize that the curriculum isn't the most sacred thing. We live in a we live in an era where the knowledge and the talents that people need can be gotten on your on your phone at any time. Mm-hmm. You know, you can learn calculus online now through Khan Academy and other online uh, programs. You don't need to go to school to learn calculus. So that the school needs to recognize that the most fundamentally important thing that we do is to build those relationships that you will not be able to establish online. Um, And realize that the curriculum can come afterwards. I know when we talked, we talked about the fact that at least today, a lot of schools are talking about the importance of social-emotional learning. 
unfortunately, uh, what often happens is that the curriculum is the sacred cake, and the social-emotional learning and the community service and all these other wonderful things become icing to dress up the sacred cake. When we have to realize that the social-emotional learning aspect and the community service and service learning aspect should be the eggs in the flour mm. and without these things there is no cake and in a sense the curriculum because it is so exhaustive and you can't cover it all the curriculum then can become the icing that is so poetic and actually i would love to just read what you sure what you hit literally his words when he was talking about that because i mean i was blown away <laughs> So this is what Jeff says. Rather than treating our impossibly broad curriculum as sacred cake upon which we slather social-emotional learning and community service as sweet, pretty icing, we must recognize that social-emotional learning and community service represent the eggs and flour, not the icing, because without them there is no meaningful learning. The curriculum should follow from empathy with our fellow travelers, and empathy is engendered through getting to know each other. This is the magic of design thinking. It insists that the best innovation starts with empathy rather than a clever idea unconnected to any genuine community need. This man, <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> I'm brilliant. just channeling many other wonderful people. But what is so unique about you in terms of people that I've met is that, um, that really you have, it starts, I think for you, it starts with passion. And I can just, I can sense he, he got a little fired up at lunch, you know, at <laughs> coffee. He just got a little fired up. Um, and I, I said to him, I could see that you have this passion, and this is what changes the world. People that were born to do what they're supposed to do, and, and they do it. Mm -hmm. Well, and there are so many fellow travelers out there. Uh, I knew when I met you that you were a fellow traveler. And what I think we have to do is come together because when you're alone, it may feel like you're lost out in the woods and what can I do? Uh, but, you know, two people are more powerful and three people are more powerful. And before you know it, the revolution has begun. I love it. And this is a, an amazing revolution. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, oh, we No, go ahead. Well, one of the other things that we talked about was how times have changed that extended that kids used to get support more support at home or with extended families etc but now those times have changed and they're different why do you think they've changed and and how have they changed to mean that they really that children really need to get more of this emotional stuff at school mm -hmm. well I won't pretend to know why um, uh, he probably does he's just being <laughs> <honest>. <laughs> um, but just through you know my own upbringing and my many years in schools I've seen it you know the economy requires more and more families uh, to have two uh, uh, breadwinners mm. um, unfortunately more and more families end in divorce so you've got single parents um, and so, you know, I think that there were, it, it's not that um, there weren't bad things about the way the family structure used to be locked in, um, but it used to be that 
you could pretty much count on your family being there. It used to be that you would have a, a neighborhood and you'd go home and play with your friends as a child um, and the same kids that, would, that you would see in school. And that doesn't always happen anymore. And so all of those relationship lessons that used to be outside of school uh, allowed the school just to focus on the knowledge and the talents that you wouldn't get at home. And the world has kind of, is flipped, and now we can get the knowledge and the talents and the skills largely not at school, and yet those relationships that used to exist don't exist uh, as confidently as they used to. Um, and so I think even unconsciously, I think a lot of families and a lot of students look for that, uh, fill, fulfill that need in, in the schools. And I think the schools, um, particularly smaller schools, uh, and I think for the most part, I think independent schools do a better job because they're smaller. Uh, they build that type of community where a student can feel that confidence uh, to spread their wings and take risks. And especially at New Roads and Crossroads. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, I mean, in the schools that I've worked at, I've been lucky to work and at Leonardo. some very good schools. Um, and, and the progressive schools do do a better job of, and I think that's what progressive schools are all about, starting with the full human potential and seeing the world through the student's eyes. Mm. Amazing, seriously. I mean, I, th I call it groundbreaking, life-changing, and I just go back to if every school was like this, just the compassion and more love in the world there would be. Well, and... I know that there are many reasons for our current state of being, um, but I believe deeply that the failure of our school system over the last 20 to 50 years has been a major contributor to the divisions that we see in politics, the, mm -hmm. the, the divisiveness, the denial of, uh, of the science of climate change and other things. Uh, and I think a large part of that has been the failure of our schools. And so I do believe that changing the schools, just as it has contributed to a lot of our woes, if we could change the schools, it would go a long way towards solving them as well hmm. in a sustainable, long-term fashion. And I agree. <laughs> so with the time that we have left, I was thinking that it might be fun... I don't know if fun is the right word, but... Fun is good. <laughs> <laughs> talking about relationships is always fun to me. Um, just so we could even bring it more into what we normally talk about at this show, which is our, which is romantic relationships, uh, I was thinking that, and this could help parents out there, anybody who knows anybody who has a teenager. I know you have teenagers, right? I have two uh, high school kids. So that's about the age when it becomes like, appropriate to have a romantic relationship. Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering from your experience and if you have any advice out there for parents, um, I don't know, like like what do you what do you recommend when your child comes to you and they tell you about their first boyfriend or girlfriend? How do you deal with it? <laughs> You're the expert. Oh my. <laughs> Are you the expert? I was gonna ask you the same thing. <laughs> I'd be, we can we can both chime in. Uh, um you know, I, I think it's largely the same 
the same ideas that we've been talking about. And I hope that uh, both of my children are in a place of love that they feel confident that they can share that and be who they want to be. Um, you know, I, I think that so many of these things aren't about the moment. It's about years of laying the groundwork and the foundation. Mm. Uh, and and if that child knows that they are loved unconditionally, no matter what, uh, then I think they're going to make better choices and they're going to be able to share their mistakes. Uh, at least I'm hoping. We haven't had to deal with those yet. <laughs> so are you saying that as your children were, were growing up, you instilled within them this just this thought and this feeling of that you do love them unconditionally. You, you overtly would say things to them or they just knew. And then have you had overt conversations as they've gotten older saying, I want you to come to me because I will not judge you and I love you. I'm just wondering because I feel like sometimes people need to hear more, this is what I did, or mm-hmm. like more, this is how you do it. Well, we have. And in our busy lives, um, you know, I think one of the most important things that we've done is that we sit down whenever we're all home, we sit down to dinner around the table. And that's where, so it's not a, a forced conversation. Okay, we're going to sit down now. We, we're going to have a talk. Then it can come up with more naturally. You know, my wife and I can say things uh, that we want them to hear Uh, and it doesn't have to be preaching to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that nightly ritual, being together as a family, hearing our values, hearing our belief in them and that we will always Mm -hmm. be there for them, I think that that has paid a lot of dividends at this point. Belief in them and you will always be there for them. Mm -hmm. I mean, That right there is just such a beautiful foundation for a parent-child relationship. And we, you know, we're we're very careful to not always talk about their accomplishments or their rewards or their wins. It's about wow, I love how you made that decision uh, and what went into it, and you know who you are and who you're becoming, as opposed to what you've done and what you should do. Wow. And I think you should consider perhaps, in addition to your job, maybe being a, a coach or a therapist to some children <laughs> out there because you would be great. I know you're busy. but <laughs> Well, that's what good teachers do. I mean, it, it's all part of the job. Um, and unfortunately, I don't think we t- coach teachers enough to mm-hmm. allow that part of them to come forth. And maybe they think in a typical school, they probably feel like that's not their job or they don't want to step mm-hmm. in, step on other people's toes, like it's the school social workers. Mm-hmm. Or. And it's harder. You know, when I first started teaching, when I was teaching AP chemistry, I had one year to get through an impossible amount of material. And so every day was zooming through the material and there wasn't time to stop and slow down and get to know the kids. It was learn it for the test all right we're moving on whether you know it or not as opposed to do you guys understand this yet no okay we're going to spend some more time on it then why don't you understand it what do you think you know what do you see when i write this on the board Mm, yeah but now you don't have to deal with that anymore now it's different 
It is. It is. It's very different. Well, is there anything else that you'd like to add that you feel like would really be inspiring or you want parents to know? Um, you can talk more specifically about New Road School if you want to. Or? Well, I just want parents to have the confidence to ask the tough questions of the schools. Uh, schools are very good about giving brochure answers. Mm. Uh, and, you know, it's marketing. Robotic. And they, and they say the right things. But press the schools. Ask them. If, you, if that's what you say you're about, show me how that uh, comes to life in the classroom. Mm. Uh, because I think until parents have the confidence to demand it of our schools, it's going to be harder to get there. I love it. And I saw your brochure from New Roads, and it really is so magical <laughs> and um, just so down-to-earth and heart and... And I love it so much because I believe that, and this is what you do, that there's a way to instill all of this emotional love and also get the job done, you know? Mm -hmm. Let's learn also. Like, let's academically learn and let's life learn and, and love learn. Mm -hmm. And I would just reiterate that they are not mutually exclusive. In fact, unless you're doing the first part, the learning won't happen. Mm. I agree. So how can people contact you? How can people, where are you, are you on Facebook? Do you have an email? Are you on Instagram? Tell, tell the viewers how they can um, contact you. I am available at jeffguckert at gmail.com. How do you spell Guckert? G-U-C-K-E-R-T. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, and those are probably the, the easiest ways to get a hold of me. Okay, wonderful. And New Road School is at in New Santa Monica. New Road School Monica. in Santa Monica. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you. And as always, you can contact me at jamie at therelationshipexpert.com. It's J-A-I-M-E. Or you can go to my website, www.therelationshipexpert.com. Or Instagram, therelationshipexpert. Just the X, not the E-X. So thank you. Thank you for having me, Jamie. I love that we did this little bit of a different show. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's so important to get the word out there. And I just appreciate you being here. Thanks so much for having me. And thanks for joining us today. You're listening to Love Talk Live with the relationship expert, Jamie Bronstein, only on L.A. Talk Radio.